That is the word of the Lord. Snap, crackle, pop. <clears throat> Good evening, everybody. Just wondering if we all knew why Heather and her dad went to Japan. <clears throat> Heather, did they know that? Did they, did they all know that you've got your PhD now? Did you want anybody to know that, by the way? Come on, give her a big clap. Congratulations on your PhD and the birthday present, the present that your dad gave you, and he told me a little bit about it, so there you go. Yeah, celebration for the PhD, and well deserved. Bless you. I've got another scripture I'd like to read, <clears throat> and then I'd like to pray before we launch in. Hebrews 4.12, beautiful passage, great verse. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that this time that we share together as we continue in this discipleship series that uh, we're going to be looking at uh, how we actually read the Bible. So, Lord, help us, we pray, to learn something new. Maybe if we already know, then, Lord, to just uh, refresh and revise us again, that uh, we might, uh, Lord, really learn how to draw from you and, and uh, Lord, how to read and, and to apply your word to our lives. So we bless you. We thank you for this time we can share together. And it's over to you, Father. We want your spirit to move and, and do his work amongst us all here. And may Jesus be the one who is exalted and receives the glory and the praise in his wonderful name we pray amen amen so the message so hope that thing's working jeff is it is the pet oh sorry it's, i can't see it there it's up whatever that's okay there we go thank you one of the um as i put this this as we sort of work through putting this message together um one of the most memorable words of wisdom and encouragement that I heard out of all the lecturing at Bible College, which I can't believe was over 20 years ago now since I went there, um, was when one of our lecturers um, said to the whole class, it sort of came out of the blue, but it was so good to hear this. And so here we are on this big lecturing class, and one of the lecturers just hopped up, and he said to us words to this effect, he said, even though you read and study the Bible as a student during the various courses and subjects that you will do over the next four years or three or four years or so. He said this, never forget to have that time with the Lord when you read the Bible every day as his personal love letter to you. Isn't that amazing? And this reminder came to us as students more than once from our very godly and pastorally caring lecturers that we had at the Bible College that I was privileged to go to. And it's called Malion, by the way. Malion Bible College, recommended. If you're thinking about Bible College, go there. There's some other ones that people go to. Don't worry about them. Malion's the one I go to. You reckon Pastor Charlie? You reckon that's it? Yep. Hey, yep. Brendan? 
oh no, he's something else. It's something better. But what a, I was I was blessed. I, I just had such a godly, pastorally caring le- bunch of lecturers. It was fantastic. But that those words of wisdom left a very positive and very powerful impression on me, probably throughout the whole of my time being there. I mean, I had for God's word anyway. I enjoyed God's word. I loved God's word. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll just leave that off. I'll leave it off. I should be... If I stand still, I should be right. Come up there, Mike. Can you just... Great. Thank you. I thought I'd be safe. See, I'm not using the flicker tonight. That thing always plays up. So this one decides to as well. Here we keep going. Who loves the word of God? And I mean, you wouldn't go to Bible college unless you really did. I I wouldn't think so. But when he said this, read it as a love letter, it kind of struck a chord with me straight away because I knew what a love letter was. Who knows what a love letter is? Mm, Come on, be honest. You see, when I was in the army, I'd be away for weeks at a time and I was going with Rosemary at that time so away for weeks at a time, it was, you would not believe how amazing it was to receive her love letters to me when I was away with Army for so many weeks. I tell you what, I couldn't tell you how much those special letters meant to me whenever they arrived. So how many of you uh, know what I mean by that tonight? You know, how many of you really know? Yes, thank you, there's a few. Some of you, you no, you don't know what that is. I love text now, I love email, I love Instagram. I don't know what it is, but whatever, you know. It's all that electronic stuff. You got it, then it zips away, it's gone. So, So who's ever received one? You know, who's ever written them? There you go, hands up everywhere. So tell me this, tell me this about these love letters that when you get them, is this, is this a true statement that I'm about to make? So after you've received this love letter from that very special love in your life, after you've read it once, you kind of just put it away and forget about it or you toss it out, correct? Because you read it. Is that what you do? No, you don't. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to tell you that I read those letters from Rosemary over and over and over again until the ink started to fade on them. That's how much they meant. And I kept them right here in the left pocket of my, what I used to wear a tank suit back then, it was called, and right here, right next to my heart. And that's where that love letter was. I've still got it at home somewhere. It's there. I never threw them out. Rose is all blushing. Don't worry about that. They're still home there somewhere. Love letters. And I want to tell you tonight, my dear people here tonight, that I believe that we have such an incredible loving God who says to us today, as he did back in the days of the prophet of Jeremiah, prophet Jeremiah, when he said these, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You try and get your mind around that. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And I want to tell you tonight that God has written the greatest love letter ever inscribed and it's personally meant for you and for me. His love letter to you and me. We call it the Bible. Or as the Apostle Paul called it, he calls it the Holy Scriptures. And we need to read it. And we need to read it over and over and over again. And we need to pray. If you struggle reading the Bible, and you've got to be honest with God about that, you might think, it's boring, really. 
if you struggle with that, and if that's what you say, then if that's what you really feel in your heart, then say, God, give me a love for this love letter of yours. Give me a love for a longing for your word. Help me to read this scripture and to read it over and over until the pages are worn out and the ink begins to fade. Help me to be one who uses and reads your scripture. You know, later on, I want to I want to give you some practical tips on the best way to actually read the, your Bible and this God, this God's love letter to you. I want to show. I want to. I want to explain to you how uh, some good tips on how to read that and get the most out of that scripture. But firstly, here's a little bit of a quick revision on what the Bible actually is. And I know that you know all these things, but I just wanted to bring us all on the same page here. So there's a guy called Nick Hawkes, and in his book called Basics, he just gives this definition. So the Bible is a collection of, and you know this, a Bible is a collection of how many books? That's it. Thank you, 66 books. So there's 39 in the Old Testament, uh, 27 in the New Testament. That makes up the 66. It's written by 40 authors writers over at least 1500 years so it's a very ancient work that details how the how the jewish and christian people have experienced god reaching out to us in history that's what he says and then he makes another another interesting comment about the discovery of the dead sea scrolls back in 1947 and i think it was a little shepherd boy was it that wandered into the cave and found these scrolls i think it goes like that somehow anyway 1947 and these scrolls included sections of every Old Testament book, apparently, except the book of Esther. I'm not sure why that is. But it included sections of every Old Testament book. And then he says these texts were 600 to 1,000 years older than the, than the existing texts that they already had. And yet when they compared these ancient texts, the Dead Sea Scrolls, with the ones that they already had, when they put them together, they were basically identical. So isn't that amazing? Pretty much at any... So, I mean, what does all this mean then? Well it, well, it means simply this, that the Bible is absolutely unique. It is absolutely unique. It is dependable and it is reliable and it speaks to the human heart today like no other word or no other words can. There's no other book like it. Nothing else is inspired like this book. And it's because Paul says in his word, why does it speak to the heart? Why does it do? Why is it unique out of all other books of the world? Well, simply because Paul says this in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. In other words, the Bible is inspired by God. He breathed into it, if you like, or breathed into the writers of the scripture. So let me, let's explain this. So that the writers of the scripture were inspired rather than controlled. They were not like divine robots where God just flicked the switch and he put his words in them and they just kind of, you know, kind of just you know spoke out his words or wrote down his words as they as he as as he gave them so he wasn't like a divine robot um, nor were these writers like divine word processing machines but incredibly god when he chose to use each of his writers he chose to include their characters and their personalities as well 
which also would come through their writings. I mean, for example, just look at the way that the four Gospels are written. Look at the different writing styles of the, of the four Gospels, of the four Gospel authors. Though they're different, yet still very much the same message. The same message in all of those Gospels, though they be written by different authors. The message of our desperate human need for salvation through Jesus Christ alone who gave his life for us on the cross. That's the message that comes through, even though God breathed into four different writers, but the same message comes through because these words are inspired by God. They are God-breathed. God inspired them by the one, a true and living God who loved us and gave his life for us. And he speaks to individuals in his own unique ways through the scriptures um, to those who have ears to hear. So God speaks. We have a God today who speaks to us all. But the question is, do you have ears to hear what he's saying? And and that might be a question I might ask you tonight. Are you listening? Are you hearing what God's saying tonight? Because he speaks. We just need to listen. But also important to understand that because God loves us, his love letter to you and me will include not only times when he will encourage us and teach us, but in his love, he will rebuke you. He will rebuke us. He will correct us. He will train us in righteousness. And you would expect that. Any loving father that would care for his children is a father who knows his children. He knows when you need to be built up. He knows when you need encouragement. He knows when you're going off track and he will rebuke you. He will pull you back. He will discipline you. He will correct you. He will convict you of sin. That's what he does. He doesn't put you down, but he will correct you and he will discipline you because he's a father who loves you and cares about you and he's written such this a magnificent love letter to you personally intimately but also but also he will i've already read that so he does correct us and he trains us in righteousness and why does he do that what's his purpose in doing that well 2 timothy three seventeen. look at that he answers the question so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work and in addition to this so in addition to this the more we read and know God's word the more that you and I will begin to recognize his voice and this is what Jesus meant when he said in John chapter 10 and verse 4 and then verse 27 he said when he when he has brought out all his own He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then in verse 27, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you know God's voice this morning, uh, tonight? Do you know what, what his voice sounds like to you personally? You know, and and while I certainly believe that God can speak and he has spoken audibly and he has spoken directly into into a person's mind, into people. You may have heard testimonies like that. I have certainly, where people have heard the audible voice of God and into their mind directly 
into their hearts. He gives that direct revelation uh, to their mind and their heart. While that happens and while God can do that, I do believe, however, that God primarily speaks through his written word, the Bible, as we read it and as we meditate on it. That's why I believe that God wants us to have his scripture. He wants us to get into the habit of reading, of meditating, because that's how he primarily speaks to us. You know, I'm, I'm sure that most of have he- have heard those testimonies. We've, we've heard marvellous stories. I think we heard some last week, it may have been. You know, testimonies of certain people, people groups. Um, Muslims particularly, you know, or, unreach- or unreached uh, people groups, tribal groups, where they have seen visions of Christ, uh, where, where, they, where he speaks to them in visions and in dreams. And... Uh, you know, and, and, the, and the, the dream that they have will be of someone standing there and, and gives them this, this sort of divine revelation and so on. Um, but when you listen to that and you hear the whole story, it's interesting to note that even when that happens, um, you, you still get to hear as well that, that, that the whole aim of, of this vision is that the, the, the other part of the message is that, that the people would actually get hold of the scriptures in their own language. So the dream comes, but that's not the end of it. It is that they need and they're given this desire to get hold of the word of God, the written word of God, and to read it and to study it for themselves. So they also get to hear God's voice to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So God wants to primarily speak to us through his word, even to these unreached people groups where scriptures are so important to, to be in their hands as well. And I believe that God wants to do that amongst his people even today. Wherever you are, whoever you are, he wants us to do the same. He wants us to have the scriptures in our own language, in our own hands, so that we begin to read and learn and meditate and hear God's voice through his written word. Listen to how the psalmist declares his desire for God's word. Beautiful words from Psalm 119, verses 14 to 16. He says this, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. He says, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Wonderful things out of your book. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might behold wonderful things in your law you know and I wonder if that's your desire tonight you know to read God's word and I know it's a struggle if you're real you're probably struggling with that not every time do I read it every every moment of every day but every day I want to read God's word I need to and if you haven't got that desire you need to pray and ask God to give you that desire give me that thirst Lord give me that hunger that the psalmist had I also like how Henry and Richard Blackaby, in their book, Experiencing God, they describe the Bible as like this. They, said, uh, they say the Bible chronicles or the Bible records God's revelation of himself to humanity. He goes on and he said, they say, it is not a history book, although it certainly contains history, nor is it simply a book of moral teachings, although it provides helpful guidelines for godly living. Not merely a record of God's encounters with people in times past, 
though we can learn much about how God relates to people by studying those encounters. No, the Bible is much more than these things. Through the pages of your Bible, you can hear the dynamic, convicting, living voice of God. Amen to that? I believe you can. And sadly for many, and this was the concern of our Bible lecturers, because they'd seen this happen, that the Bible was merely a book. For some students, it was just merely a book of historical information, a necessary text for the course of study that they were doing. And even sadder than that, there were people who came with a kind of a, an interest in learning the Bible, and then they'd fall away from their Christian faith after they'd gone to Bible college. Isn't that sad? And so the lecturers were saying, you be careful of that. Because you get to hear and you get to read a lot of stuff like textual criticism. And then there are people who start to wonder whether it is actually the, the inspired word of God. So all this doubt starts to happen. And Christians have fallen away. Well, yeah. You need to read this book as a love letter of God from him to your own heart. And, you know, that's what I believe the difference is for the child of God who is indwelt and filled with the Spirit of God, is that God would turn information into, listen, revelation. There's lots of people who have got a lot of information, but it's not revelation to them. There's people who are brilliant with their Bible knowledge, but that's all it is. It's information, it's not revelation about God that transforms their lives. And that's the difference. And, in fact, this was a prayer that I can remember this information into, into revelation was a prayer that one of my pastors, when I was a young Christian myself, it was a prayer that he prayed over his congregation when he got up to preach. And for those in that congregation who made that prayer their own prayer, they were never disappointed because God would meet that prayer. God would answer that prayer. Not just a bunch of information given from the scripture, it became a revelation of himself to them. They heard his voice and they heard his, his own revelation to them personally. For God is the living God and he makes his voice known through his word to those who are listening. And you'll never be disappointed. Listen once more to what this, these, these guys say, Henry and Richard Blackaby. They say this also. A person cannot understand spiritual truth unless the Spirit of God reveals it. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, John 14, 17. When you understand the spiritual meaning and application of a scripture passage, God's Holy Spirit has been at work. It's interesting. He says this, Remember, this understanding does not lead you to an encounter with God. It is an encounter with God. When God speaks to you through the Bible, he is relating to you in a personal and real way. When the Holy Spirit reveals a truth from the word of God, he is personally relating to you. Do you understand that? And this is what God wants. He wants to meet you one-on-one. -on -one. He wants to speak into your heart. And we've got to give him the time to do that and the place to do that. So let me, let me uh, either revise for you or, or to teach you one of the a number of, of uh, methods that you can use 
to effectively read devotionally the Bible for yourself as God's love letter to you. But isn't that amazing that God wants to spend time with you one-on-one? That's what he wants to do, and he wants you to do the same. So here we go. It's good to use soap, all right? Good to use soap. And soap stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Who knows this little thing already? Some of you do. Some of you might be using it. That's really good. Um, Soap. Can I just say at the outside, when I looked at this, it reminded me of my own conversion. And I just want to say this, when you use this kind of soap, it will cleanse you on the inside. Forget the outside. God doesn't care too much about the outside. He does look at the inside. This is the soap he uses to wash you and cleanse you and refresh you on the inside. So a good way to remember soap. So it's one way, this is just one way of enjoying, I believe, a richer, more dynamic, more intimate time with God in his word. And it will give you the opportunity of your, for yourself of personally experiencing information turning into revelation. So soap is good. It's good for you personally. It's good for your small groups as well. You can use this in your, in your, in your uh, connect groups, in your life groups. You don't need to have a degree in theology or anything like that. You don't need special leadership, leadership skills at all. And let me personally say that, that I've been using this method uh, for, for 30 years plus in my journaling. I didn't realise it was soap that I was using, but it was in fact soap. And I've been doing this for 30 plus years. And, and it's magnificent how God could speak to you, how he enriches your life, how you get to hear his voice. I didn't realise that I was using it, but there you go. I was using soap and didn't realise I was. You know, and as we've been talking about, this method, this particular method of Bible reading and devotion will help you to grow in your own recognition of God's voice in your own life. So, before we start, or before you start to do this, so visualise yourself in the morning or whenever it might be. I like the morning, early morning. So before you start, then pray. You pray and you ask the Lord to reveal himself to you from his word. It's a good thing to do. It's just like the psalmist. In fact, you can use this prayer the psalmist prays in Psalm 119 verse 18. When again, he says, Lord, would you open my eyes? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. So pray that prayer before you even start. And then we launch into this. So the S stands for scripture. What do we mean by that? Well, it's simply this. Not only read the scripture, but I want to encourage you to write it down. Don't try and write paragraphs and chunks of scripture. And listen, by the way, while I think about this, don't start to think, come on, get real. I've got about X amount of time to get to work or whatever it is that you have to do. You can do this in a matter of minutes or you can do it in a matter of hours. You can spend as long as you like or you can spend pretty much short time doing this, all right? It's up to you. I encourage you to find the mid-ground. You know, oh, it'd be hard to put a figure on that. At least 15, if not 20 minutes or so to really get more out of this. It might, look, it might be longer. I, I don't know. It depends on what your day's like. But don't be blown away by this and think you need to do this, that it's going to take you hours to do it. It won't. It's entirely up to you. 
So don't only just read the scripture, but write it out. And you'll find that, that uh, whatever you're meditating on that day, for whatever that scripture is for the day, write the verse out. It will surprise you. It will really surprise you, you know, how the Lord will speak to you even as you slow down and you deliberately write out those words. And when you do that, you don't be surprised that you'll find words starting to jump out at you, stand out to you. Words that you may have read before a dozen times over that scripture. And then, but when you take the time and you slow down and you write out the scripture, you'll go, wow, I didn't notice that before. And as God's starting to speak to you and you start to see the incredible, infinite power of his word speaking to you. Scriptures that you may have memorized and rattled off a dozen times, but when you slow down and you, re- you, wrote the th- you write the thing out, you'd be surprised what you will see in that passage that perhaps you have never seen before, even though you've read it. All right? So that's what it really means. Write it out. Slow down. Look at it. See what jumps out at you. So write the scripture. The next one is O is for observation. So as, as you've written it out, then you start looking at it. You know, what do you observe about that verse that you've been writing? What do you see in the words that you've written that the scripture says? You know, who was the audience? These are just some, some little tips here. Does it bring to mind any other scripture that you've memorized or that you've written? How does it, something, there might be something from the New Testament that really reminds you of, of a promise that was made or a prophecy that was made in the Old Testament. So it's learning how to listen to what God says and how he brings a picture to you out of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So what are you observing about this scripture that has come to that God's given you for that day? What comes to your mind? And ask the, ask the Lord that prayer. You know, why did you write this, Lord? What did you have in mind when you wrote out this scripture? What do you have in mind for me? That's getting more into the application side. But observe what that scripture is. Does that make sense? I'm moving through it pretty quick actually tonight. A stands for application. So this is where it becomes more intimate for you. It's where it becomes more personal, where God's going to speak to you personally. All right? And you ask questions like that as you start to look at this. How does this apply to me? Is there a promise that God wants you to embrace? Is there something that he's given to you before and and, and he wants you to be reminded of that promise? Is there a new promise that God's given you? You're wrestling with stuff. And as you write out the scripture, as you observe, and then as you start to say, God, how does this apply to me? He will show you. He will speak to you personally from that promise that, that, that he wants you to embrace. Is there a command that you need to obey? Is God correcting you in some way? Are there things that are going on in your life? Is there a sin that you need to confess? The Holy Spirit, because he is holy, wants you to be holy. And if there are unholy things happening in your life, then the Holy Spirit, he will uh, reveal those things to you. And so you then say, Lord, I confess my sin. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Do you see how this becomes intimate? It's personal. It's you and God, just you and God alone. Is there a sin you need to confess? So ask the Lord, Father, you know, how would you have me apply this verse to my life? And then write that down. Learn to journal. And that way you'll, en- you'll, you'll enrich the whole of your personal life, your devotional life. Does that make sense? That's application. The P stands for it's prayer. Prayer. So write out a prayer. 
as you've been looking, as you've been uh, observing that scripture and, and, and as you recognize the application of it. So you're writing out a prayer based on what you've just learned or what you've been reminded of. You know, and because God does reveal, he does speak. And whatever that is, whatever that something is that he's been revealing to you, then write out a word of thanks. Lord, thank you for reminding me again that you are faithful to your promises. Thank you, Lord, that you've promised that you'd forgive me of my sin. Thank you, Lord, that you are not an accuser. Thank you that you have, you know, revealed yourself to me afresh today and that you've reminded me that you love me and that my sin is forgiven and that you're going to walk with me forever. I mean, whatever it is, it's a prayer that you write out to the Lord yourself. Give him thanks for what he has said to you. Write that prayer out. Pray that the Lord will equip you and then guide you as you go out into the day that he has prepared you for. That's the sort of thing that we do. So if you do that kind of thing, that's going to enrich your life. And then, folks, after you've done the soap, after you've used soap for your day, then go into your day. Go into it expecting God to use what he has revealed about himself uh, to you. And perhaps even to ask, Lord, would you be pleased for me to make a difference in someone else's life today? May they see, you might, you might pray that prayer, Lord, may my colleagues, may my workmates, whatever, may my family see the difference that you've made in me as I've spent this time with you. As I've used soap this morning, may they see there's a difference and ask what that difference is. Do you know what I mean? And then before, and when you come home and you, before you, you know, your head hits the pillow and you're asleep, then what I'd encourage you to do, just say, Lord, thank you for the day that you've given me. Thank you for walking with me. Thank you for revealing yourself to me today. Give a prayer of thanks before you uh, actually drift off to sleep. I think that's a good way. Amen? And I want to just finish... I want to finish with, uh, this is the book that I've been reading. It's Billy Graham. It says, hear my heart, uh, what, I, what I would say to you. Um, you get a chance to read something like that. And the other thing that I discovered, my daughter told me about it yesterday, is that on, if you've got Netflix, there is a fantastic documentary about this guy. It goes about an hour and a half. Forgotten what it's called. But it's a whole documentary. Just, just type in Billy Graham and it'll come up. There's only one thing in Netflix but it is worth look I saw it this afternoon it was absolutely very very moving listen to what Billy Graham says now there's some of you who probably honestly don't really know who he is let me give you a quick introduction Billy Graham was born in 1918 in Charlotte North Carolina he preached to more people in live audiences than anyone else in history Nearly 215 million people in more than 185 countries and territories, from New York's Central Park to the African bush. Hundreds of millions more were reached through his television, uh, video, film and webcasts. Just a giant that God used. Unique, absolutely unique was this man. And then he died, went to be with the Lord at the age of 99, on the 21st of February 2018, so only just last year. That's Billy Graham. And look, this book is just a little treasure trove of all kinds of things that he has said and that others have said about him. This is what he says about the Bible, as I finish with this tonight. 
He says, I find that unhurried meditation, I think that's nice that he said that, please, if we can, make it an unhurried time with the Lord. He says, I find that unhurried meditation on the word of God is of great value. When in the morning I read a chapter and meditate upon it, the Holy Spirit brings new shades of meaning that are thrilling and illuminating. Sometimes his word, this is incredible, he says, sometimes his word makes such an impact on me that I have to put the Bible down. He says, I've got to get up and walk around for a few moments to catch my breath. Isn't that awesome? A lover of God's word. If the Bible does not inspire us in the privacy of our rooms, then we can be assured that our messages will not move those who listen listen to us preach or to share. If it does not reach our hearts, it will never reach their hearts. If it does not stir us, it will never stir our hearers. Our family's day at home always began with Bible reading and prayer. I know it's old-fashioned, but so is breathing and eating and sleeping. Old-fashioned, but it works. I'm glad it does. The people who helped us around the house joined the family, and together we read a portion of God's Word, meditated upon it, made a comment, and then had some prayer. Probably used the soap method as well. He says, on my desk are many things, a telephone, a dictating machine, a pen, a Bible, among other things. They are on my desk because they work. The Bible is one of those indispensable items. If ever I get to the place where the Bible becomes to me a book without meaning, without power, and without the ability to reprove and rebuke my own heart, then my ministry will be over. For the Bible has been far more than my necessary food. There you go. Isn't that awesome? Here's a man who has a track record. You watch his life. See how that time that he needs to have with God was absolutely vital for him. And it was basically the secret of his ministry. was his intimate time with God. And you need to do that. You need to develop that time with the Lord. Draw from him. Meet with him. Let him meet with you. Speak to him. Let him speak into your heart. There's no substitute, my brothers and sisters, for that. There's no substitute for the scripture. All right? Don't read about the Bible. Read the Bible itself. Sure, there are books about the Bible. I'm not saying don't read them. But don't substitute that for this. You need this. This is the spiritual food that will feed your soul. Nothing else works. Let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you. Lord, it was a brief, I guess, run through of things uh, tonight, but thank you for the way you speak. And it's our prayer tonight that you will help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to our hearts, what the Spirit says to our church. And Lord, we need to be people who are lovers of the Word of God. We want to learn to love this love letter that you've written to us. So help us, we pray, Heavenly Father. Not necessarily is it easy to do this, Lord. It's going to take discipline. It will take discipline. It will take intentional time to be alone with you, learning to develop that closet space that we need to have with you. Help us each to do that. Because we're living in a world, Lord, that's so rotten. And Father, there's so much other garbage around that captures our attention and our eyesight and fills our minds. Lord, your word, thank you for soap that cleanses us from the inside. Your soap, help us to learn how to use that, apply it effectively.
and help us to grow, to become mature, bolted down believers in Christ so that people see there's a difference. There's a difference. And Jesus Christ is that difference. So Lord, bless us and even help us to begin that process. If we're not already, even this week, we pray in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen, let it happen. Thank you. Please join us to worship again.